All right, hello and welcome back to the Higher Cause Podcast. I'm your host, Mateo, and today we have a special new series for you. Uh, it's one that, honestly, four days ago, I had no idea I'd be doing. I had literally no clue, and I talked to one of my friends, and uh, we decided to come and sit down and actually talk about it over a podcast. And I say we because I have my friend Micah here. Hello. Micah. Yeah, welcome on the podcast. Thank this you. is your second time. Yes. Yeah, we did the Grudges podcast in the hotel room at the La Quinta uh, and, uh, with the Dells, that was. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, but as we were sitting talking about maybe uh, what another uh, podcast subject and even, or actually Mike was just sharing his heart with me and I was like, you know, this would be a really good podcast. So we're deciding to call this series, this is something we're going to do, it's called the Tough Stuff. Tough Stuff. Yeah, Tough Stuff Series. I'm ex- actually really excited about it. And the reason why we call it Tough Stuff uh, is because it's, well, it's going to be some tough stuff, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be some issues Truth. here that we're going to talk about, some theological issues, uh, some doctrinal issues that maybe are a little in the weeds for some people mm-hmm. or even some tough things to even think about. And so mm-hmm. definitely, if you're listening to this podcast, definitely put your thinking cap on and uh, really be uh, alert and aware. This is not something I'd probably listen to when I was going to bed. Get your Bible out. Yeah, get your Bible out. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Get your Bible out. Yeah, this is, this is something that, uh, yeah, Mike approached me about four days ago with this burden. And we're kind of going through a similar situation right now. And we were both praying about something. And he came to me and challenged me with this thought, and I was like, well, this needs to be a podcast. People need to hear about this. This is good. Uh, so we decided to start this series and, and really try to dive into some of these issues. But before we get really started, um, I would like Micah just to share, if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit about yourself, yeah, tell the absolutely. people who you are. Well, my name is Micah, and I'm 22 years old and just about to graduate from college with an evangelism degree and uh, also Bible. And I grew up in South Dakota for most of my life until I was 11 years old. And then we, my family moved to South Carolina, lived there for a few years. And now for the past uh, six and a half, I think, years, we've been in Wisconsin. And I've been going to Bible college here uh, for the past four. So uh, I have a huge burden for evangelism, specifically just any kind of gospel ministry, gospel to the sinner, gospel to the saint. Mm-hmm. Um, salvation, sanctification is probably especially to the saint. And also my... Uh, my burden is also uh, that young people get into the Word of God, memorize Scripture, because I know that that changed my life. Um, and uh, just memorizing, I had to memorize for Bible quizzing when I was in high school, and uh, just all the verses I memorized continue to just transform my life, this even to this day, and really shaped my thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's my biggest burden. That's what I want to do. And just however God leads in that in the next few years, that'll be exciting to see. So that's yeah. a little bit about me. That's where I'm headed. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's good. I, me- I remember meeting Micah. I came in, obviously, three years ago. <clears throat> I'm a junior now. Yeah. So I, I came in three years ago, and I remember we were at the same table for evangelism. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting Micah, and I was like, this guy's real. That's my first impression of you is like, this guy's he's real. He's the real deal. I believe that there's a lot of, of guys who, well, they want to serve Jesus, right? They, they're serious about it, but they're not. For instance, I, I was telling somebody the other day, they're not. We, we have a lot of soldiers, but we don't have a lot of servants. Hmm. And I believe yeah. that there's a lot of people who want to be a soldier because of the glamour, right? Because mm-hmm. it's popular and it looks cool and they're in it for the money, which I don't know why you would ever go into being a preacher for the money because that's not what it's about, <laughs> right? And you're going to flounder and flop. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like Joel Olstein. Um, but when the one thing I re- recognize about Micah was that he was real. And I remember we went out to coffee uh, right after we – I really, right after I met you, I, was, I think my freshman year, and we had a talk. And honestly, we've been friends really ever since, but over the really over the last couple of months, we've gotten even closer. And the Lord's really worked everything out and brought us on really on the same path and at the same job. So that was, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was cool also too. a blessing, yeah. yeah. Although you're leaving soon, I'll be sad, but, yeah. you know, God's, uh, God's doing a lot in your life. But introducing the subject today, unbelief. Yep. Yeah, so Mike, why don't, why don't you just introduce it? Since you're sure. the one introducing yeah. it to me, why don't you just well, introduce it? Well, this is a, a burden I've had since the other day, and... Um, 
it's something the Lord's been teaching me in the last couple of weeks. Um, but really, it was just I was talking to the Lord, uh, my devotions the other day, and this burden came out, and I needed to preach in about a week or so for uh, uh, one of the societies that I'm a part of, and uh, the Lord just clearly led me to this, and uh, it was a subject of unbelief, and I was just talking to the Lord about about unbelief, and um, I've always wrestled with the question of does unbelief limit God? Because I hear a lot that unbelief limits God. A lot of people say that. And I always struggle with that because I knew that God is sovereign, that he can do whatever he wants. And so how does our unbelief actually limit him? But the Lord gave me a truth as I was just talking to him and as I was meditating on scripture the other day that I think really clear, clarifies uh, this question. And uh, so we're going to go through lots of scriptures today. And probably one of the first ones that I want to look at is the account of the lunatic um, in Matthew 17 and also Mark 9. And the the boy who was a lunatic and his father came and, and brought him to Jesus and said uh, that this child is uh, sore vexed and he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to, the, to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. And then after Jesus does this, his disciples come to him and they say, <clears throat> and, and they say, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus says very simply to them, because of your unbelief. And I was thinking about this, and uh, I was realizing that the disciples were limited by their unbelief. But if you look at the next few verses, you find out that Jesus was not limited by his disciples' unbelief. Because just a couple of verses later, Jesus rebukes, uh, rebukes the devil and he departs. So God wasn't limited by the disciples' unbelief, but the disciples were limited by their unbelief. And so that's really the heart of it. And that's what the Lord showed me the other day. And there's a lot of this that we're going to be talking about today in, in, uh, in a lot of different aspects of this truth. But it's really awesome. And uh, I think we really need to get hold of this. Yeah, and so I think the question, does unbelief limit God? Yeah. And, you know, I've heard, I grew up in the South, um, and nothing against the South, and I love the South, and that's where I'm from. But there was a lot of preachers, and a lot of people I heard growing up that would preach out of passages like this one, in mm -hmm. like Matthew 13, Yeah. and would say stuff like, well, you know, you're limiting you're limiting God mm -hmm. by your unbelief. You limit God. And it, I guess I, it always kind of set funny, but I was like, well, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, what do I know? I'm just a kid. Yeah. But it always kind of set funny with me. But that's a question I think we need to answer because right. I think it's a question that if you've if no if you've never had it, well, you will <laughs> because yeah. I've had that. Like, am I limiting God right now? Like, is God limited by my emotions? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's what we're gonna answer today, right? Yeah. We're gonna, I'm not gonna give the yeah. answer. Right the now. question is: Is what I'm believing but... right now preventing God from doing what He wants to do? Right. And that's what I want to address <laughs> because I I don't believe so. And uh, I'm going to defend that because <laughs> uh, that can be really radical to some people. Uh, but, you know, Jesus says in these verses, he says, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And then he says right after that, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. But we see here the disciples, they were limited by their unbelief, but they didn't admit to having unbelief. But then if you look at the same exact passage in uh, Mark 9, then you see the father of the child. You didn't see this in, in Matthew 17, but here it says, The father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. 
And this man, he admitted that he had unbelief. He told the Lord, I have unbelief. But yet he said also, I believe. And I think that right there, that's faith like a grain of mustard seed. And God honored that faith. And God did a miracle for him. And he cast out the devil. But the disciples never admitted to having unbelief. But they, they did. And their unbelief limited not what God could do, but their, their ability to be a part of what God was going to do. So, and I think really the question is, so what Mateo just said there too, um, you know, people saying like unbelief limits God. There's two ways of looking at that. And one way is that unbelief limits God. Like if you are believing something about God, you're limiting him in your mind. That means that you, you're not believing that he's able to do something. But if you're, if you're saying that what you're believing is limiting God, like as in limit, limiting what he's able to do, as if you are actually preventing God from doing what he wants to do, that I disagree with. So I think that's really the, the heart of it. So when you can say, yeah, you're limiting God right now with, by believing that, as long as what you mean is, you know, God is bigger than you think he is. You know, if that's what you mean, then that's, that's totally fair. You can totally sure. say that. Sure, but I think you got to be careful with semantics. Yeah, definitely. Because that's why we're in this. Exactly. No, it's <laughs> because we're... we were confused. It's yeah. because people said this and we were like, what do you mean limit God? Like, we can't limit God. Right. Right. God can do whatever he wants. Right. And uh, so anyway, but but in this verse, it says this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. And I want to touch on that a little bit later, too, because that's super, super important. Mm-hmm. But mainly the people who actually say that we can prevent God from doing what he wants to do. They use Matthew thirteen fifty eight and other verses um, that are used, uh, other synoptic verses that are like like this one. And it says, he did not mighty works there because of their unbelief. And so they say that he could not do those mighty works, even though he wanted to, he could not because they were preventing him from doing so with their unbelief. And, you know, if that was the only verse we had, that's fair. But there's another verse, Second uh, Timothy 2.13, that says, if we believe not... Yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And uh, an example of that is Abraham and Sarah. I think you brought that up yeah. uh, earlier too. Um, Abraham and Sarah, like Sarah didn't believe God. She laughed uh, when, when God said, you're going to have a son. But God still did it. He still did what he promised he would do. He abides faithful even when we don't believe. And so you got both sides to that. And so I don't think it's, I don't think it's true to say that we can prevent God from doing what he truly wants to do. Yeah, and I think what we're getting into here and what we are kind of wrestling with is what's called tension theology. Mm -hmm. Um, We're getting into the idea that kind of the, I guess, the the paradox or or the the tension between man's free will and God's sovereignty. And that's... um, you know, something that's, that's been, kind of involved. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Been something that's been kind of debated long before my time and it's probably will be debated long after my time mm-hmm. um, on where that actually stops, where that ends, right? What, 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 what does that look like? But I think, I don't know, I struggle, I struggle saying all what I want to because, again, there's people that are much wiser than me that have come before me and have given dissertations on what this, this theology, but yeah. where, where, what's helped my mind is just realizing that God um, is limited by nothing, and mm-hmm. I think we see that by in Job forty-two. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I don't have it turned here, but um, I know that my God can do everything. Yeah, that's not what it says. yeah. no thought can be withholding from Him, yeah. right? That there's literally nothing He can't do. Right. So, 
you know, I struggle with saying the fact that, well, if we choose to not believe God, well, then he's limited to us finite yeah. humans like that that'd be a bummer man because like yeah. if god if god <laughs> that would leave the possibility that god could lose in the end like yeah but we know that he isn't going to and i believe that scripture tells us god always wins he always right. always wins we've got to believe that like god's god's plan is greater than our lack of faith if you're saved god's promises god god promises that he will work out all things together for your good it's an unconditional promise for the believer and we can trust his providence he always always wins and um, if we can't believe that, man, like we can have no confidence in the Christian life because everything is conditional, you know? And that's the scary thing about this. If you believe that you can prevent God from accomplishing his will, then everything in your life, like, you know, I've heard this here and there, like, you know, as long as you, uh, you know, as long as you this, or as long as you that, then God will bless you. You know, as long as you this, then, then God will, um, give you, you know, the best thing in your life or, you know, I don't know if you've heard that before too, Mm -hmm. like you, you want God's best. Well then, you know, this, 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 and this. And really, I believe that actually those things are unconditional for the believer because Romans 8, 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, the called according to his purpose. Who does that sound like? That's, that's the saved people. And it goes on in the next few verses to say, whom he foreknew, them he predestinated to be conformed to the image of his sons. So it's definitely right. talking about saved people. And so it's saying for saved people, God's going to work all things together for good. And yeah, we're going to make mistakes. And yeah, we're, there's going to be times when we, when we lack faith. But I believe that these promises are unconditional. This is an unconditional promise. It doesn't depend on how much you believe God. You believed, <laughs> you believed God when you got saved. You believed in Christ to save you. And by that one decision to believe God, then all these promises became true for you. And that is an unconditional reality. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't lose because God doesn't lose. And if you believe that God can lose, then that shakes your entire world, which is part of why I just can't believe that. Right. No, that, that's good. And I think, I think that's what we're kind of coming to here. But the, my question then would be, then why do people believe it? I think to some degree, people do believe what I just said. Uh, most Christians probably do. But why then do we say things like our unbelief limits God? Have we really thought that out, what we're saying to the fullest extent? Have we really thought about what what that means? Like most people say that and they don't really understand what they're saying. You know, so like maybe maybe they understand like, you know, the verse that says he did not mighty, mighty works there because of their unbelief. But now they say like, you know, your whole Christian life can be garbage if you're not always believing God or if you're not always following, you know, this list, then your whole Christian life is going to be garbage. And I don't believe that. Of course, I do believe that that uh, faith is necessary. And we're going to get to that 100% like um, in the Christian life. Don't ditch faith just because, just because God is going to work all things together for your good. But... But I do believe that these things are unconditional. So it's more, I'm just, I guess I'm trying to say like, it's more the way things are expressed than what is truly believed. But I think also it's a reaction sometimes. Like sometimes people believe this because they're reacting against um, probably the inevitability of sanctification. Uh, When people say, uh, generally Calvinists, that sanctification is inevitable. (laughs) And uh, so people think, oh, that breeds passivity. And so we don't want passivity. And so you want to encourage faith, 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 faith. 
And if you don't have faith, this is where we go off. If you don't have faith, then God won't fill in the blank. And so it promotes fear. And it's an insecurity in God. Because it's a very conditional way of looking at God. God will bless you if. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. But like sincere Christians, I'm more talking about sincere believers who they want the will of God. They want God's best for their life. But they feel like it requires so much of them. It requires so much more faith than what they've got. You know, it requires almost like perfection in order to see God's best. And really, most of those things that they want are literally just part and parcel with salvation. They've already got them. God's providence in their life is already there. God's leading them on a journey of sanctification because, because he's the author and finisher of their faith, because he's working in them both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's not a, it's not a conditional thing. They've already met the condition by believing in Christ. Everything else is, is God working in them. And yes, they're exercising Mm -hmm. faith. Absolutely. They're exercising faith. But what they need to understand is that these things are actually, it's a package deal. It's all encapsulated in your salvation. It's not, well, you're saved, and so now you have eternal security, but that's it. And all other blessings in the Christian life come as a result of faith. No, 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 no. It's literally like almost all blessings in the Christian life are a package deal. They come with salvation. Almost all of them. And I believe that there are some blessings in the Christian life that don't come with salvation. And that's the kind of thing that we're talking about today, where unbelief limits us. You know, because... Unbelief doesn't limit God. These things that he said come with the Christian life. They're going to come with the Christian life. Like you're going to have the fruits of the spirit because you're saved. You're going to, you're, you have eternal security because you're saved. God's plan and providence for your life is going to happen because you're saved. Like the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. If he fall, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Sure. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. That's a promise. And that goes for the saved It's because you're saved. But those things are all set in stone. That's going to happen. If you're saved, that's what God's going to do. But there's another level, though. And that's the kind of level that it's talking about in these these verses here. Sure. Where, like, the the faith to cast out a devil. The faith to see something happen that is beyond the humanly explainable. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's my biggest Yeah, and so where does, my question is, then where does faith start and these promises end? Because if you already have them all, then why do you need faith? Do you need, oh, sure. Do you yeah. understand? So that's well, it's, it's the promises that are conditional and the promises that are unconditional. Right. Or, or okay, they're all somewhat conditional, but the only condition for most of them is being saved. You know what I mean? So, so then, they're Romans, all condi- then they're all conditional. They, yes. Okay. <laughs> so you could say that. You could say that. But listen, we've already met the first condition and the only right. condition for most of them, which is faith in Christ. So Romans eight twenty eight, those who are called according to his purpose. Are you called according to his purpose? Sure. Yes. Yes. And so, okay. So my, so my question met, is, right. Know, so it doesn't require faith for that to actually happen in your life. That doesn't require your faith, but there are promises that do require your faith. Sure. And those are the ones like, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. That requires your faith. And one's like, um, how much more shall the heavenly father, shall your father, which is in heaven, give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? That requires your faith. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upraised not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. See, sure. that, that's conditional on your faith. Those ones are. But So it's not promised that every single believer is going to have wisdom automatically. That every single believer is going to be filled with the Spirit automatically. Those things that come as a result of, of prayer. 
of faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so those, that's the next yeah. level. That's like that's beyond the baseline of just conditional. Like, like once you're saved, you got it. Mm-hmm. That's like that requires faith for for okay. the believer. So that's what I'm talking about. No, no, I I agree. I just. I guess I get, and I'm not like disagreeing with no, you. No, I know you're I'm not. Just no, kinda, this is awesome. I'm just kind of, I'm just, yeah, we're just, I'm just talking <laughs> through things. Get, yeah. Honestly, some of my things are going to come from, and this is going to sound so bad because people are going to be like, oh man, this guy is out of, you know, out Dude, of they probably mind. think I'm yeah. nuts, nuts right now. <laughs> well, honestly, some of this stuff is just going to come from what I believe would be rebuttals from people. You know, we're working through it, we're, we're talking about it. Yeah. So, um, I guess, and so d- accessing these gifts, you would say then that. That having access to these gifts, having access to these conditional promises, take faith, yeah. but the unconditional <clears throat> ones um, do not. They require faith in Christ for salvation. Explain the difference uh-huh. between conditional and unconditional. Oh boy. Okay, so we're gonna get into the weeds here, and I hope I don't uh, <laughs> eliminate any, any of you from the audience by some of the things I'm about to say here. Um, you're welcome to disagree. Um, as far as like, you know, if you have scripture that you believe. Um, uh, is a good rebuttal for this. Honestly, like, hey, give some feedback. I'd love to hear it. So, yeah, um, sure. but this is what I believe based on uh, personal study in scripture. The conditional and unconditional side of things is really interesting because uh, exactly what is conditional, and it all gets down to even like the essence of faith, where we even get faith from as depraved human beings. Conditional and unconditional. Um, is even our salvation truly conditional or is it unconditional because God? predestined it from the foundation of the world and i'm of the belief that yes we exercise faith but even that was part of god's plan unconditional he gave it to us and he did so by by working in us and that's the same way we even have faith now as believers he he does that in us but that does not eliminate our responsibility because we don't we can't trace the movement of God, like even, or like the movement of God's spirit. Like even Jesus said to Nicodemus, like you see, you know, the, the wind blows where it lists and you, and you hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming from or where it's going. And so is everyone that's born of the spirit. You don't know what it looks like for the spirit to move, but all you know is that it does, that is that he does, the Holy Spirit does move. And so you don't know when the Holy Spirit's giving you faith. All you know is that you have the choice right now, either to believe God or not to. And so for all you know, as a human being, you have a free choice to make. You have a free will. You can either choose God or choose against God. And as a sinner, an unsaved sinner, you have a choice to choose God, to to believe in Christ or to not. Okay. And that's really all you need to know. But if you really corner me theologically, then I'll say, yes, if God is working in you, and is drawing you to himself, he is able to give you the faith to believe. And, uh, and so you shouldn't say, oh, well, God didn't give me the faith to believe, you know, so it's his fault. No, no, no. And Paul says, who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing form say to him that formed it? Why is that made me thus? You know, so, so that's not, you can't make that point. You still, you are fully responsible for your choice, um, whether to choose God or not to. Okay. So, this is the well, this okay, is the tricky well, balance. Yeah. So I'm just saying. So sure. that's the conditional line. I know that I just went yeah. way into the weeds there, but I'm just trying to get you give you an idea to sure. answer your question. If it's conditional or unconditional, because really, to me, in my perspective, everything is unconditional, technically. But from a human perspective, like I'm I'm saying from God's perspective, which we see in Scripture, everything is unconditional. It's all part of His sovereign plan, and and it's awesome that we just get to be part of it. 
But from our perspective as human beings, where we make decisions, we have choices. Yes, we have to choose God. And when we don't, we, we are responsible for that. We cannot blame God for our lack of faith. We are fully responsible for that. Faith in Christ for salvation is a condition. And once we meet that condition, then there are, then there are blessings like the fruits of the Spirit and sanctification, eternal security, and just a relationship with God and the Holy Spirit and His, and His guidance and leading in our lives and God's providence in our lives and the fact that God's going to uphold us and all those things, and I could just go on and on and on. And just so many things that I believe once you're saved are unconditional. You you can't possibly, even even if you cease to believe, which I don't believe will happen if you truly believed, if you, even if you cease to believe, those things will remain true and they will still come to pass. Okay, so that's what I mean by unconditional. Sure. It is really conditional in a sense because you have to make the initial choice to believe in Christ. And in two senses, it's unconditional. First of all, because you didn't give yourself the faith the faith to believe in the first place. God did. It was unconditional because he did it, not you. And second of all, it's unconditional because once you're saved, there are no more conditions. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it's unconditional in, in two ways, and it's conditional in one way. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's confusing. Like I said, no. yeah, this, is, this is the tough stuff, right? Tough this stuff, is... yeah, tough stuff. So, uh, But here's my question for you. This truth here, how does believing the fact that Un- our unbelief limits God. How would that affect our okay. Christian life versus yes. how it affects that, us? So what's what's the yeah? And I think that's just because it, it would be super discouraging to believe that. Sure. Like it would just be terrible to think that God can somehow lose. And I I guess I believed that to some degree for a while. And um, you know, one of the biggest things that that really changed this about my belief was because uh, there was a time I was interning one time, and it was. Uh, up in northern Wisconsin, and I had a, I really had a burden to see a youth group started in that church I was interning at, and so I've been reaching out to teens in the in the town and really just doing everything I knew to do, which honestly I I had no idea what I was doing two years ago. I hadn't I hadn't traveled with uh, an evangelistic team at all or anything like that. I had no idea what I was doing, and so I was just trying to reach out to some teens and try to get them out get them out to this youth group event, and we had zero teens in that church. And I spent, um, I spent the entire afternoon right before that event was supposed to happen. Spent the entire afternoon just praying and fasting, just intense prayer, fervent prayer about this. And I came to a belief that God was going to do something amazing that night. And um, and I remember, like, I was nervous. You know, I said, God, I believe help my unbelief, but mm-hmm. like I was nervous, but I believed God was going to do something that night. And I prayed and fasted about it. And I said, Lord, I want to give you every opportunity to do this because I know that my unbelief limits you. That's what I said. And, um, or at least that's what I thought. And I said, I want to give you every opportunity to do this. I don't want to be the limiting factor here. And I went out and nobody showed up. Not one person. And that was so hard. That was one of the biggest trials of faith I had ever had to go through because I am naturally very skeptical, very rationalistic. And that just agreed with my unbelief. You know, when things like that don't happen and everything in you wants to believe and yet it doesn't happen, you just say, oh, man, I was right the whole time. You know, there's there's nothing miraculous. None of this is none of this is real. And you just your unbelieving side just wants to have a party, Mm -hmm. you know, and that was me. And I just honestly, I really, really struggled that night. And I knew I would, but I still just really struggled. 
And that was the beginning of, and man, like God did so much in my heart through that. And God showed his goodness and God taught me so much through that. And that was the beginning of when I realized, that was before I believed anything that I just explained a minute ago. That was when I realized that God's first priority, this sounds bad, but God's first priority is not always, is not always the salvation of souls. Now it sounds bad because I can't, I don't think you can really place priorities on God, but he has the salvation of souls under control. He has that under control. Yes, he wants to use us, but he does not need us. And just as much of a priority as, as the salvation of souls is our sanctification. To God, teaching us something is just as valuable to him in that moment as seeing people saved. Because he's going to do it all. Sure. And so he's not stressed out thinking, oh man, but if I teach Micah this lesson, then these souls won't get saved. No, 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 no. He's got that under control. He can save those souls in his good time and he will. But for this moment, he needed to teach me something. And I also believed, and I also believe from that point that my unbelief does not, or that my, yeah, that my unbelief does not, does not truly limit God because in that moment I believed and I don't know how I possibly could have believed anymore than I did at that moment. And yet God did not do what I thought he was going to do. So if I gave God every opportunity in the world to save souls because I wanted souls to be saved, and yet he didn't save souls, then did I want souls to be saved more than God? And I don't believe that at all. Like, I don't believe that for a minute, that I want souls to be saved more than God does. But I believe that God must have the salvation of souls under control. He's not stressed out about it. He must have it all under control. And his sanctifying the saints is just as big of a deal to him. And so that's what, you know, that's what got me on this path of, I don't believe that our unbelief is the limiting factor. I think the limiting factor is simply, and sometimes it's God, because he has something else he wants to do, Mm -hmm. not what we think. And, uh, and as far as like our unbelief limiting God in other ways, um, obviously we're going to talk about how unbelief limits us. Yeah. But I just, I believe, and I'm totally convinced that God always wins and that nothing we do with our lack of faith can ever prevent him from doing what he wants to do. Yeah. And I think sometimes that God allows us to fall on our face. Mm -hmm. So maybe going back to your story, maybe the reason why God didn't do that. Now, does that, okay, obviously this all stems, I believe, from a wrong view of God and who he is. Like, I think sometimes we forget that he exists outside of time. Yeah. He's not limited to... (laughs) <laughs> not limited to us, right? Yes, yes. Uh, we, we're, that's duh. That's what we're saying. Sure. So when he when he's looking at this the long line of mm-hmm. history and everything, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. So he sees, you know what? Yeah. If this situation is going to do you better, maybe mm-hmm. to not see people come out and get saved. Now, obviously, it's we know it's God's will that all men are saved, right? That's what the Bible says. But maybe at that night, it was actually His will for you mm-hmm. to be saved in a different way, right? Maybe your faith. Right. Or maybe exactly. what you need, oh, what, that's what you was. needed. Definitely right. Was. So he was, his saving nature was yeah. still at work because mm-hmm. that's who God is, but it was actually operating in a different yeah. way. So yeah, I know I'm hundred percent with you, but I think it all comes down to the fact that God sometimes, I believe, lets us fall on our face yes. in order yeah. that we can see him greater right. so that he can accomplish his agenda and right. his goal in yes. us. That's yes. not saying that God couldn't have, because to yeah. say God couldn't have is just a little to limit God and to say, oh, his power, he's... God's not strong enough to work in spite of you. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he is. He could he could shove you out of the way and do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to do that because God, by nature, is a God of love, yes. a God of goodness, 
and a God who wants to see the best in you and wants to Absolutely. see you be the best vessel, the golden yeah. vessel he wants you to be. Conform to Christ's image, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. So I don't believe, yeah. So I'm 100% with you. I think yeah. it all stems yeah. from a wrong view of God. Right. And right. a wrong view of a wrong view of what God does and who yeah, he is. Yeah, absolutely. And God even used that to change my view of him completely. And that was really it. Or I I had been viewing him uh, very much like like I had to convince him to do things for me. And that's never how God is. You don't have to convince him. You don't have to pull his, pull his arm. He is so willing to do things. And I guess that kind of bridges into the next aspect of this. So if unbelief limits us, then how does it limit us? I guess that's kind of the question. Because I've been saying this the whole time, and we've been saying this, that unbelief doesn't limit God. Unbelief doesn't prevent God from doing what he wants to do. Then how does unbelief limit us? Because obviously some people are limited by their unbelief. You know, um, obviously this, uh, the disciples were limited by their unbelief. They couldn't cast out this, this devil. Um, and uh, it says in um, Hebrews uh, that it says in verse uh, 19 in chapter 3, we see that they, the children of Israel, could not enter in because of unbelief. They couldn't enter into the promised land because of unbelief. And of course, all of that factors into God's sovereign will. It was, it was, it was not like he wanted it to happen, but yet it didn't. His plan was accomplished, but at the same time, they did not receive the blessing that they could have had if they had believed. And so there is an aspect to which we are limited by our unbelief. And I think that that is where we get into the promises of God that are conditional on faith. There are the ones that are that are conditional on salvation faith, like uh, saving faith. And then there's the ones that are conditional on just a believer in Christ who believes the promises of God in scripture accounts them to be true. And, uh, and those ones, those, there's a new set of promises for believers that we have to access by faith. Mm-hmm. So, and some of those, uh, obviously the greater works promise, like ask ask and knowing you will receive. Like if you ask, you can know that you're going to receive it. If we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Mm-hmm. The filling of the Spirit. Ask and believe. How much more shall the Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And then, obviously, wisdom. I think we talked about this earlier as well. If you ask for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. And uh, rivers of living water, Jesus promised that too. Mountain moving. I mean, dude, there's so many promises that, yes, they're conditional on our faith. We can limit ourselves if we don't believe. And that's where I think a lot of Christians are. And that's where I was too. Like literally even a couple of weeks ago. And um, <clears throat> some of this, uh, I don't know if we have any cessationists in the audience, but, uh, or like, you know, what level of cessationism you are. Uh, but I was, maybe I wouldn't have called myself a cessationist, but that's kind of where I was at a few weeks ago because it's really easy to say i'm just going to say it it's really easy to say that god doesn't do miracles in these days that he only did miracles you know when the bible was being written and now that we have the whole scripture then he doesn't do miracles anymore but you know there's no verse that says that it says tongues they shall cease Uh, it doesn't say they have ceased necessarily and i'm not a charismatic believe me but i'm just saying like there's nothing that says that those things have ceased that miracles have ceased but yet, cessationists say that they've all ceased. And I just, honestly, for me and for a good friend of mine who also believes that, then it was just an excuse for rationalism. It was just an excuse to say that, that we can't believe in anything that defies the laws of nature 
in our day. And I've ceased to believe that partially because I've, I've heard testimonies otherwise. The biggest reason why is because of what scripture says. And another reason why is because personally I've experienced the opposite of that now. And I believe that belief comes first. Then you see greater works. Then you see miracles. Belief comes first. You don't see the miracles and then believe. Blessed are they who have not seen, but yet believe. So there is something greater. So I've talked enough. What do you, what do you have to yeah, say? No, I, <clears throat> no I, I'm tracking with you for sure. And I think when it comes down to it, when you look at why people don't believe miracles, they don't believe in um, the giftings. And, and Okay, for me, um, which I don't know how much I want to go into this, but I, I have a hard time believing in the gifting of tongues still being uh, an active sure. gifting. But, you know, honestly, I've heard stories of missionaries yeah. who yeah. are across the sea and all of a sudden they're be able to speak the language of the people. Right, yeah. Like, how does that Crazy. happen? Because God's, again, God's not limited, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? God can exactly. work. In, God, God can work. Now, here, okay, here's my thought on it. God can work whether or not we believe he can or not all right god again he's we've said this all night god's not limited Mm -hmm. uh, by us here's the thing we live in america where the supernatural has become a joke Mm -hmm. supernatural has become the tv show the popular movie series Mm -hmm. uh the popular thing to talk about and you know there's superheroes flying around obviously not real ones but in tv shows and whatnot yeah so it's become kind of like old hat yeah so it doesn't exist exactly so when we start talking about miracles Okay, for instance, my brother, uh, I think I told this story today to someone, actually. My brother, when he was little, uh, he fell out of a window. Mm-hmm. He fell out of a two-story window, 18 feet tall, uh, hit the ground on some stones. Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, when I got out to him, he wasn't responsive, and mm-hmm. he was kind of just, he was he was in and out of consciousness, and then all of a sudden he started seizing. So I picked mm-hmm. him up, and I know all the paramedics out there that are listening, they're probably like, why'd you pick him up? I know, you weren't <laughs> supposed to pick him up, but dude, I was like seven, right. so I, I was right, young. Right. I, I wasn't that young, but I was young. Yeah. And so I pick him up, and I take him inside, and he um, he's still not responsive, and he gets put in the... Uh, of course, the paramedics get there, they test him, and they're like, yeah, something's not right, we need mm-hmm. to life-flight him. So they life-flighted him to Seattle, and my parents get there. Well, we started praying, right? A prayer chain broke out across America, mm-hmm. and uh, as my family was praying and pastors were praying all of a sudden about halfway through right when the prayer had started he started fighting the restraints he woke up and started fighting wow. the restraints yeah it's awesome okay so he goes from non-responsive and they were doing tests on his legs to see if he had nerves you know in the nerve or whatever i don't mm-hmm. know how all that works but mm-hmm. let's just, he was paralyzed okay that's yeah. what i do know like, yeah. he was paralyzed he wow. did not have feeling so they get him into the doctor. By the time my parents get to Seattle, he's jumping from hospital bed to chair and chair That's to ground. Crazy. He's jumping and running around the, um, wow. the, the room. And my parents are like, what in the world? Mm. So they do tests on him. They do like scans and stuff, put him through all these machines. And they're like, there's not even a bruise on him. Okay, wow. he fell into stone from 18 right, feet. Right. Literally a, like a week later, my dad's friend, childhood friend, uh, falls off a 10-foot ladder and dies. Wow. Okay. Before that time, I had a really like – not really before that time, but yeah, before that time, I really had a hard time believing in miracles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, miracles, yeah, they're cool. Mm-hmm. But then I started claiming the verse in Jeremiah 33, 3, calling yeah. to me and I will answer these really great yes. many things, which I yeah. know it's not. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's that's great and all. That was our church theme verse. And I was like, it's great and that's a cute saying, but like, yeah, whatever. It's, that's for like missionaries, right? They mm-hmm. see that the miracles, sure. like the casting out devils and all this yeah, crazy right. stuff. But then I saw it. Yeah. Like literally we had a miracle happen right mm-hmm. in front of my eyes. And I was like, okay, wow, I believe that. But the thing is, in in twenty twenty three, those miracles and things that happen like that, that's just seems almost impossible. Like, right. but really, what I think that's rooted in is unbelief. Mm-hmm. Could be rooted in pride a little bit, right? Um, like, oh well, you know, 
we're, we're more we're better than that we don't have we don't need to have that you know mm-hmm. we we have you know we can we can access god and we can walk with him we don't need to see miracles you know whatever it's like okay god is good and he's great but he's not good enough to he's good enough to maybe meet my financial needs but he's not good enough to miraculously heal, heal. right exactly yeah. yeah yeah because that can be explained like yeah. there are certain things in life where you pray for them and and they happen and you're like wow that's that's neat got into prayer and then deep in your mind you're like but maybe it was a coincidence. Exactly. And you feel yeah, like, yeah, and, you yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. and you feel so bad, you know, so faithless for believing that. And it is faithless, but at the same time, like that's how we think. We're so like okay, if you're like me, then I would say, Yeah, you know, wow, that's so cool. Got into prayer. And then deep in my mind I'm like, Is there a way that that could have happened humanly? Well, yeah. You know? Which then falls like, in unbelief. Right. And so it's like, you know, have I really seen anything that has happened that is a total miracle? That was completely unlikely. That superseded natural law. Well, maybe not. You know, and that's when you really start questioning. Like, does okay, does God do those things now? And that's the nice little Christian way of saying, I don't believe that God can do miracles today. You know, it's it's like, oh yeah, yeah, God chose to not do miracles back in you know after the Book of Acts or the Book of Revelation. Yeah. <clears throat> that's a nice little Christian way of excusing away the promises of God. And that's essentially all it is. Mm -hmm. And trying to sound spiritual about it by saying, yeah, all those things have ceased. We have no evidence that they've ceased. All we have is America, like you said, that's rationalistic, that only believes in what they can see, that doesn't believe in the supernatural. And we've we've grown up in that culture. Mm -hmm. And Satan's, I think one of his greatest tactics is that nobody believes in in him anymore. Like that's one of the, the, the problems. And nobody believes in in anything really supernatural anymore in America, and uh, except for you know the spiritualists and yeah. the charismatics, you know right. <laughs> those, we don't want to be like any of those people, right? And uh, and so that's one of the tactics. But I think that if we really look honestly at the promises of God in Scripture, we have to come to the conclusion that these things, like God, wasn't just saying these things so we could excuse them away to excuse our unbelief. He was saying these things because they are really as simple as they sound. They may sound too good to be true. They may may sound like they're asking for name it, claim it. Like we always, we always diss the name it, claim it people. Sure. You know, it may sound like, oh, that would just lead to name it, claim it. You know, you just pray for a Lamborghini and yeah, claim the Lamborghini. <laughs> it's yours, right? It's, it's Joel Osteen stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. but I think that there is a way where you, we, we can ask and just believe simply in the promises of God and we will receive and we can know mm-hmm. that we're going to receive. And I have not arrived at this at all, but this is kind of the biggest thing to me, the, the application about this whole thing, the thing that I'm going to be preaching on Thursday is this. And honestly, I would not have thought of this, but a good friend of mine uh, Sunday night encouraged me with this and it totally, I'm going to say it totally changed my life. And it literally impacted something that happened the next day for me which was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said this to me and used a lot of scripture. And he said, you know, uh, there's a verse that promises the filling of the spirit. Like how much more shall the heavenly, your heavenly father give the Holy spirit to them that ask him. Okay. So if you ask for the Holy spirit and believe that you're going to get it, that you're going to get and get him the filling of the spirit, then you will. And that's just the truth. And you can claim that you can mm-hmm. take that. Say, I take the filling of the Holy spirit. And if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, are you or are you not going to be praying according to God's will? You are. 
right? Mm-hmm. And because the Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to pray outside of God's will. And if you're praying according to God's will, well, then you got this other promise that says, this, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So then you can know that whatever you're praying while you're filled with the spirit, you can know that you're filled with the spirit for one. And for two, you can know that whatever you're praying then is going to be answered. And that to me just seems way too simple, way too easy, but I've got to believe that. And I believe it's true. And so the battle to me, I think is first of all, the battle of faith of actually believing that that's true. And that is really a battle. And second of all, the battle of submitting your will to the Lord's. And, uh, I think that's why Jesus says this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Like I always wonder when the world does fasting accomplish. Like, dude, I've tried to fast and like mm-hmm. all it does is make me hungry and I don't like being hungry. hungry. So like yeah, <laughs> hangry. I want food. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Like, dude, who wants to fast? Like that's so so impractical. It doesn't really accomplish anything. You know, people say, Oh, I fasted and it helped me. I'm just to me it's just utter torture, just being honest, okay? <laughs> Like, I like to eat, okay? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. All right. But I think the, the thing with that is we we don't even know all of our motives a lot of times and know, like, all the ways in which we exalt our own will and desires above the desires of God for us. And I think that when we're willing to sacrifice our desires, like food or whatever it may be, for an extended period of time where it actually is, you feel that discomfort, and you're willing to sacrifice those because what you desire more is the will of God. Then I think you demonstrating that to God and to yourself as well, that you're willing to sacrifice that because you want the will of God more. That is, I think, what gives you the confidence to say, Lord, I want your will. And I I know that I truly want your will. This is This is sincere. This is the real deal. I want your will. And so I'm asking, give me the filling of the spirit and I'm taking it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to be praying and I know that I'm praying, whatever I'm praying is according to God's will. And that's not the chance for you to say, so now what do I want? You know, and, right. and the moment you do that, which I don't believe you will, because now the Holy Spirit's filling you. But the moment you, you do that, well, then you're not, you're not going to be praying according to God's will. You're going to be praying according to your flesh again. And you're not going to be filled with the spirit. But if your, your desire is to be filled with the spirit and for God's desires to be accomplished, not yours then you're praying according to his will. So I'm just trying to really simplify that because so basically the two battles are the faith battle to actually take God at his word and believe. And the other battle is to submit your will to God's. Sure. Yeah. And so getting to the point where you can submit your will to God's, that's where you can get to the point where you have confidence in prayer where you know, your will is submitted to his. And if you're still not sure, then remember this, remember two verses. And these are the verses that totally changed my life. Uh, and I think my friend didn't tell me these two, uh, but the Lord did. He just reminded me of these two verses. One of them is, both of them are Romans 8, actually. I love Romans 8. And uh, the first one is, likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. Like, dude, I was praying, I was talking to God, I'm like, Lord, I'm fasting and praying right now. And this is because I... Like, I want to get some things accomplished in prayer. And there are a lot of burdens on my heart. But the problem is I don't even know how to pray. And I just told him, I do not know how to pray. But I said, but you're making intercession for me with groanings which cannot be uttered. You got my back. You know what even my desires are. And my desire really more than anything is your will. 
And so I'm just trusting you. You're interceding for me. That's awesome. And then verse 31 of Romans 8 as well says, What shall we then say to these things if God be for us? Who can be against us? And a misconception that I often have is that God, that I've got to twist God's arm to get him to help me. That I've got to convince him to do something for me. You know, but actually, God is so for you. Like, that's the whole point that God is for you. That's why he saved you. That's why he's sanctifying you. You know, you read Romans 8, it says, He predestinated you to be conformed to the image of his son. And you're going to be glorified in the end. And that's why it says, what should we then say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And I think that those truths, those put me over the edge of where I was able to actually believe God. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say Monday, this is kind of the testimony side. <laughs> Monday, I was praying very fervently about a few things, but one thing in particular. Um, and uh, I was praying pretty much all day, and I had other people praying for me as well. And um, by the end of the day, I had confidence, I had peace, not necessarily that God was going to do something that I wanted, but I knew that his will was going to be the best. And I knew that I had reached he- heaven. I knew that I had reached him, that he heard me. And um, what's crazy is even if I, and, I, and I prayed, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I went upstairs to my, to my uh, condo where I live and I sat down, you know, to, to practice my piano <laughs> and my mom comes over and shows me something that she just got, uh, a text that she just got. And right there was the answer to my prayer. And I could not believe it because to me, it seemed so unlikely. It seemed absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. But there it was like right in front of my face. Right. There was the answer. And I was like, dude, I'm going to fast and pray like mm-hmm. all the time now. I cannot believe that that happened. So that's like, I think that's the whole battle. Right. And once we get that, like, dude, greater works can happen. And so, sure, I mean, I'm wet behind the ears. I'm just starting this thing out. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. But at the same time, I'm ready to actually believe what God says in Scripture. I'm ready to believe these promises. Right. And I think that when I believe these promises, then I'm going to be accessing not just the baseline blessings of the Christian life. And yes, there are absolutely blessings, unconditional blessings of the Christian life. I'm going to be accessing the greater works, the, the things that go beyond, above and beyond. And, uh, miraculous the supernatural Mm -hmm. no it's good and i think one thing that has helped me with this whole journey is i realized what was holding me back was fear Mm -hmm. to be honest it was fear that if i asked god for something either okay it was twofold either i would ask god for something and either number one he wouldn't answer me like yeah Mm. i wouldn't get the answer i want or you know or i wouldn't get the answer i wanted he would answer me but it wouldn't be the one i wanted exactly so either when i I would fast and pray about something and god would either not give me the not give me an answer like well, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Obviously, God is sovereign. And he's in control. He, he he's got his timing, right? I, yeah, it's not right. relying on me, but right. in the moment, it's like, oh, I'm only focused on right. the situation, or that God would give me the answer. And in some of the situations I'm in right now, and praying about, it's like it's almost a fearful thing to ask God because I'm afraid mm-hmm. if I ask yeah. God for it, he, He'll give me the answer, but it won't be the one I want. Sure, sure. But that all yeah. stems from a wrong mindset of God. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Again, it's, is God it's forgetting for you how good, or not. Right. Yeah. It's forgetting how good God is. Oh man. Yeah. And God ultimately, He's He doesn't have our works for us. He works all things together yeah. for good. Right. 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 So He's doesn't He doesn't have bad plans for His children because He loves them. No. Yeah. That's. And so when it comes to this area of unbelief, yes, it limits us. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it puts us in a fear mindset. Yeah. It puts right. Not only in a fear mindset, but it puts us in a 
an anxious mindset. Mm-hmm. And it puts us in a mindset where we're almost, well, we're ir- irrational, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not see- we're not seeing straight. We're not seeing God for who he is. Right. And yeah. only only thing that does, that doesn't limit God, doesn't change. Our view of God doesn't change who he is, period. Mm-hmm. It only changes how we view God, right? Yeah. I know it's kind of a right. statement, but you know what I'm saying? Newsflash. Yeah. Rationalism is irrational. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> no, but from, it's, from it's a true. God perspective. Yeah. yeah. From a human perspective, it's totally the opposite. Right. But, man. <laughs> the human perspective is a lie. It really yeah. is. You've got to believe that. Can't we? We walk by faith, not by sight. We've got to remember that. So yeah, no, that's that's perfect. If God, God, if God wanted to do, if God wants to do something, if God wanted to bring people there that night, going back to your testimony, yeah, He would have, right? But God has a greater plan. Yes, yeah. because He wanted to teach you a lesson. Yeah, a lesson that you're again, you're still on the journey. We're both mm-hmm. on the journey, but God right. wanted to teach you a lesson. Yeah, and I think it all is rooted in the fact that we have to view God in the light of who He is and who He says He is in His Word. We don't have to sit and wonder. Okay, is God in this? Is God really good? No, He tells us He's good. We don't yeah. have to wonder and, and okay, is is this true? Well, it doesn't matter because we thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. So if we look at God's word, we have all the truth we need yeah. to live. And so when it comes down to believing God, God, God can do whatever He wants. Yeah, uh, and that's something you have to believe. And if you yes. don't believe it, well, then yeah, you're going to be anxious. You're going to be fearful. Yes. You're going to be struggle with these ideas. Is right. is God really a good God? Is God really? Well, then you're getting off in. Well, then you're getting off into the weeds. Mm-hmm. And then then your life is is ruled by fear and yes. ruled by uncertainty. Yes. I can go to bed every night knowing that whatever happens the next day, God is still good. Yes. I can go to bed every night knowing that whatever happens the next day is God's will. Because mm-hmm. nothing I can do can screw that up. Yes. Because God's Amen. gonna work that's, that's, God's gonna work in spite of me or or God's gonna work through me. Right. So do I want God to work through me or in spite of me? Because exactly. his will his will's gonna it. be accomplished. That's it, yeah. And his will is gonna be accomplished for you. Yeah. And like his perfect will. Yeah. And that actually doesn't even depend on you. But what you want to do beyond that is the question. And yeah. that's where that's where your faith really comes in. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's awesome to believe, you know, and it's for our benefit that we believe that God is doing the things that he said he would do for us right. all the time. It's for our benefit to believe that he's directing our steps. But if we believe not yet, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. Mm-hmm. He will still do those things. Even if we don't believe that he's gotten our steps. And there's been so many times where I haven't believed that he's guiding my steps, but yet I look back and I'm like, wow, God, you were so good. Like right. I didn't believe you, but yet you still did it because it's an unconditional promise to believers. But then there's other times where it's like, I want to see more. I don't want to. I don't want to just be stuck in, you know, having a, a nice Christian life where yes, you see spiritual blessings, but I don't want it to be stuck. Be stuck there. Yeah. I want to go to the next level. I want to see God do things that, that do not have a human explanation. Right. And I want to see Him directly answer prayer. And I think that this is opening the door for that. Yeah. I want to read something really quick yeah, from go Jonathan Goforth. He re- uh, he wrote a book called By My Spirit, and. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs here that I, that really impacted me as I read these and changed my really changed my view on, on these things. So he said, Upon returning to China in the fall of 1901, after having recuperated from the harrowing effects of the Boxer ordeal, I began to experience a growing dissatisfaction with the results of my work. In the early pioneer years, I had buoyed myself with the assurance that a seed time must always precede a harvest and had therefore been content to persist in the apparently futile struggle. But now 13 years had passed, and the harvest seemed, if anything, farther away than ever. I felt sure that there was something larger ahead of me if I only had the vision to see what it was and the faith to grasp it. Constantly there would come back to me the words of the Master, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. 
and always there would sink deep the painful realization of how little right I had to make out that what I was doing from year to year was equivalent to the greater works. Mm. And I've been there so many times myself. And what happens after that, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but basically he went on a journey in scripture to just search out how can I see these greater works in my life? And if you know anything about the story of Jonathan Gilforth, you know that he found it and that in scripture he found the secret and, um, and he did see greater works. And I believe, and it doesn't say it in this chapter, but I believe that that secret that he found was simply believing the promises of God and accounting them to be true, even if rationalism disagrees. And, um, and I also think, you know, fasting and prayer had part of it, had part to, part to do with it as well. But I think essentially it's as, it's as simple as believing the promises of God. It's got to be simple. Mm-hmm. God, didn't, God didn't intend to make it a mystery, to make the Christian life complicated. He intended for it to be simple. But what, what makes it complicated is our unbelief. Right. And our own desires that, that we want so badly instead of God's. But I, I really believe that if we truly desire God's will, and we seek after those greater works and believe the promises of God, I believe we will see it. God promises he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think honestly what pleases God is radical Christianity. Yeah. I know that's, that sounds kind of cliche, but I, I think too often in the generation we live in, and really mine and, mine and yours, our generation mm-hmm. is a prove-it kind of generation. Like yeah. They seek authenticity. Right. They don't, you know, I, wrote, I think I sent you the day I wrote a, an, actually a paragraph about about God who cannot yeah, lie. Right. God is the author of authenticity. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he's literally he is who he says he is, and in a, in that kind of generation, in the generation we live in, we're so consumed with um, trying to to get to the root of things or trying to to reason out right every every little thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, we have to realize sometimes there's things about God that we're not going to be able to reason out. Yeah. So when we're in the moment. But as we've we, okay, we read stories today from the Word of God that mm-hmm. honestly, if you were in that time standing in their shoes, you would probably be tempted to be like, "Okay, is God really okay? What's he up to? What's going on?" Mm-hmm. But now we can zoom out and see, oh, actually, God had a plan through all that. Right. So when we get so narrow-minded to forget that God is His goal is to accomplish greater works, when we get so narrow-minded to forget that, then we miss out on what God's trying to do again, limiting us. Yeah. Because God's going right. to still accomplish His greater works. Yeah. God's still going to yeah. do His will. That's so true. But it, how are we, are, are we going to be part of it? Yes, do you, do you that's the question. Do you want to be part of it or not? But that's going to take radical Christianity. That's right. going to take taking. That's going to take taking God at His word. Yes, that's what's yes. going to. That's what's going to have to happen. So You're are you to, ready for that? Yeah. You, you out there listening? Yeah. Are you ready to do yeah. that? Are you? Do you want to take God at yeah, His word? Let's do it. Do you want to see it <laughs> in your life? Because you can. But it's it's up to you. Yeah. If you want it, claim it. Mm-hmm. Not, it's like name it, claim it. Name right, it. right. Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's not name it, claim it if it's a promise hey, of God. Hey, if it's a promise word, from God, then, then yeah, yes, claim it. Yes, it's, it's true. That's what they're there for. Yeah. God didn't write His promises in there to be excused away. He wrote them to be claimed. Yeah. So claim it, absolutely. No, but I think I think when it comes to fasting, and I like what you said about that because I think that takes number one sacrifice. You mm-hmm. said that, right? We're hungry. We don't want to fast. Right? Yeah, right. But that shows God. I think our seriousness about yes. it. Yes, yeah. it's not necessarily like. If you fast, you are, you know, a great Christian. No, no, no. Right. You don't do it because you want to be known. Or, you know, I think of guys like George Mueller. Yeah. I think of guys that did fasting and did praying all the time. And you would have, you don't, we don't even know. Right. The world doesn't even yes. know the amount yeah. of time they prayed and what they prayed about mm-hmm. and how, how much they walked with God. But we do know they had faith. Yeah. To believe right. God. And so I think when it comes to fasting, it's a, it's just a really 
showing God, hey, God, I'm serious about this matter. Yeah. Like, I'm willing to, to set everything aside, all mm-hmm. my personal wants, all my personal desires, set them aside, push them off, because I have to have you. Yes. And I need you. Yeah, and you're showing so your seriousness it. for that's God. It. And when that takes place, right. I believe God always rewards that. Yes. Because in his nature, when we sacrifice, when we take a step toward him, mm-hmm. by nature, draw nigh to me and I'll draw mm-hmm. nigh to you. He takes a step toward us. Wow. Yeah. And I, so I, I just personally, my thought on it, my belief is that when that when we fast, when we take a step toward God in a, in a faith step to believe God and take him at his word, he rewards that. Mm-hmm. It might not be in the way we think. It might not be in the way we want. But it's in the way we need, and I think mm. that's the important truth. And if you want God's will, then you will want it, and it'll be awesome. Oh, whatever yeah. He does, you're gonna want it. And you're, you're not gonna, gonna look it. at God's will and whatever He tells you to do and be like, "Oh, Bummer, man, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. I was doing something else." You know, no, God's no. will is always the greatest that's, thing. That's right. Yeah, you know, and it's you gotta believe that. Yeah, and yeah. how many times have you, as God told you to do something, and maybe, okay, maybe you were, it wasn't on your mind, but then you went and did it, and you're like, "This is the greatest. I want to do it mm-hmm. again." So when I yeah. traveled on on the uh, the team that would go into Christian schools and, and do our, and do the work there. Honestly, at first I was really nervous about that. I was like, I don't, I don't like talking to people like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't like meeting new people every week and all these names I'm going to memorize and all these places I'm going to go. It's just uncomfortable. But dude, I literally, that was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Totally. And I would do it totally. in a heartbeat. Oh man. Why? Yeah. Because God told me to do it. God led me to do it. And then God blessed me in it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. And so if people realize that God's plan is always the best, and that, like, if you could, if you could look ahead, but you can't. But you, mm-hmm. can, you know, you can look ahead because you can say God is good, right? And if you desire Christ more than anything else, and you desire His will, then literally everything He gives you, you're gonna want it, yeah, because He's your desire, right? And that's the key. Like, you know, maybe you would look at your life thirty years down the road, and maybe it's not gonna look like humanly that good, but yet you are gonna be the most joyful you ever could be. You're gonna be, you're gonna be the happiest person in the world if you love Christ more than anything else. Because he will be giving you, it says, delight yourselves in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Mm-hmm. Like he will put his desires into your heart. And then not only that, but he's going to give you the things that then you desire, which are his desires. So he'll give you the desires and then he'll reward your desires. I think that's what that verse is saying. Absolutely. And so you're going to get your desires. You want to get what you want? <laughs> then you need to want Christ and delight yourself in him and you will get what you want. Right. So no. it's yeah, I appreciate that. And, I, and yeah. so, sum it up: unbelief does not limit God. Yes, rather limits it limits us. you. And it honestly, it's sad. Mm-hmm. To, 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 if you believe that you can limit God, mm-hmm. it, that's well, number right. one, that's pride. If you think you can do something that would hinder God, that's saying, okay, I'm, now you're rising yourself above God. Sure. Yeah. And to be mm-hmm. honest, that's the same sin Satan committed. Hmm. I want to be just like God. I want to be greater than he he is. Okay, that's the same sin that condemns Satan. And so by saying that now you're that's pride. Or on the other hand, it's obviously unbelief. If it's if you're if you're assuming that God is going to be limited and wondering how he can work around you, mm-hmm. no. Right. And you have every opportunity to not do that. By all you have to do is have faith, believe in God, and take him at his word. Trust in him, and he'll bring you to pass. So good. Well, I think this was I think this is a good first one and a good uh, start to our series. Uh, again, we got into some weeds. But we had yeah, fun. Sorry, and uh, we talked. We talked things through, and I think um, the key aspect we can take from this is take God at His word. Yeah, have faith in God, yep. and believe Him. And even I think the fasting part. I, I keep going mm-hmm. back to that. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah, it's a. It's like uh, Psalm sixty-three, mm-hmm. where it's seeking God in the desert, like He's the only thing that can satisfy yeah. you, because it's that's the truth. Um, so, 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, this is something I'd like to keep doing. We're going to plan it in the future. Yeah, no, I really appreciate <laughs> Mike. Awesome. Thank you for coming on. And yeah, it was a for, blast. Yeah. I'll do it again. Yeah, absolutely. It's have your burden. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or no, you I do. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. appreciate that. Uh, so uh, thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, and after this podcast, you might have some of those. But, uh, <laughs> if you have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to email me at highercausepodcast at gmail.com. It's highercausepodcast at gmail.com. And again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.